As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Sacco. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Sahil, the founder and CEO of Gumroad. What'd you guys think of this one? I thought it was super interesting. They're a company that's totally focused on product. About half their team is focused on building and growing the product. And it's their best acquisition source. So a lot of new customers hear about them through word of mouth. So the best thing they can do is build a product that appeals to this broad audience that they have. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, and if, if you stay tuned for the end of the episode, he talks about OKRs, which is a really interesting philosophy that we've been hearing more and more about, but we haven't had anyone come on and actually talk about how it works at their organization. So that was really insightful and, and something that I, I think people can get a lot of benefit out of. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes managing and purchasing domain names simple and easy. This week, we talked to one of the customer service reps, Roger, about the strangest call he's ever gotten on the job. I think, I think the strangest support call uh, that I can remember uh, was from a poor customer that had somehow gone to our website and bought themselves a personalized email address and then contacted us back again to say that they, you know, they didn't feel the need that they had to purchase this service when they just needed, you know, parts for their vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Get 10% off your entire first order by using the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS, all one word, at Hover.com. Chargeify makes setting up and managing your recurring revenue or subscription business incredibly simple. Anyone who's ever set this up from scratch knows just how much work it really is. Let Chargeify handle your customer signups, onboarding, billing, and retention, so you can focus on what's most important, growing your business. If you go to chargeify.com forward slash rocketship, they're offering 20% off three months exclusively for Rocketship listeners. That's chargeify.com forward slash rocketship. 
CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. For those of you just getting started, CodeShip has a generous free plan with five private projects included and 100 builds per month. Not enough? You get 20% off three months just for being a Rocketship listener. Plus, the team over at CodeShip spent the past few months talking to customers and just launched a complete redesign of their app with better usability. Go to CodeShip.com slash Rocketship to sign up today. Yeah, so Gumroad is a tool that helps creators of all different types sell their work directly to their audiences in, in, in the goal that we can help lots and lots of people make a living doing what they love, right? So if you're a musician, a writer, a filmmaker, designer, a game developer, a comedian, a photographer, like that's kind of what you're passionate about. You're probably wanting to spend most of your time like making things and anything that gets in the way of that, we'd love to be able to help you do. And so that's kind of how the way our mission basically is to, you know, help creators make a living doing what they love primarily by selling their work being able to monetize that stuff directly and do it in a way that is sustainable, right? And so for us, that means like doing it so that they can sell their work directly to their audience. They can own their audience. They can grow that audience. They can, you know, they, they own the way in which they sell. They can sell the way that they want for whatever price they want. Like we don't want to be able to control it to that degree because we think that it's important that they, they, they have that ownership. So one of the things that we hear constantly is to niche down and and find that one audience that you can really resonate with and grow from there. But you've kind of taken a different approach where you guys have kind of cast a wide net. And I'd love to hear why that um, was a philosophy that you took into your product development. In general, I think through my entire life, maybe it's just the idealist in me, but I think that really good products can appeal to like a fundamental need, I guess. And sort of by that way, I don't think like building a Gumroad specifically for a vertical would have actually been any better than building Gumroad for everybody. And to be even more maybe aggressive, I think we can, Gumroad is actually better because we build for everybody, right? We can think more broadly about a certain topic. Definitely when we build a feature, we try to think about it from more specific points of view. So like, how is this feature going to look to, you know, an independent musician versus a large musician versus a filmmaker versus a writer versus a comedian, you know, someone who's been selling stuff for 10 years versus someone who's never sold anything in their life before, but, you know, is really excited about it. And it lets us, I think, build a better product because the best product is going to, you know, it filters out all the like, sort of like, okay, this is a really great feature. And it's really awesome if you have, you know, $100,000 in sales a year, but when you're, you know, making $10,000 in sales, like it actually just looks confusing and, and serves no purpose. And so it's, it acts as a really good filter for us, as well as, you know, we want to help creators, right? We don't want to pick and choose and say we're building a service only to help a very sort of specific vertical of people. And and I think creators is is, is, is focused enough, like people, you know, focusing on people that like to make things is, is focused enough and that group of people needs the same solution. So it ends up being working pretty well for us. So from a product development standpoint, when you're trying to appeal to a wide variety, yes, they're all creators, but some are working with books, ebooks, some are doing music. Yeah. Um, how do you avoid like bloating the project, the product with a lot of different features that maybe only work for that specific group of people and finding a way to make most of it work for everybody? The best, I guess, way to do that is to just constrain, like we're, you know, we're still a super tiny team. We're 22 people now. So I guess we're getting bigger, but like, you know, we have a limited amount of 
time, right? And so we can only build so many things. And so if we had a choice between building a feature that was specific to, you know, a, a small percentage of total creators on, on Gumroad versus like basically every single person, like we're, we're going to bias towards helping more people rather than less. Um, and so in general, you know, like I think the mentality of people that work here is like we want to build something for creators. And so that helps a lot. And then it's also like what we do, an internal test that, for example, I have is is to basically, so we have three dimensions that we use, right? So there's there's a the scale of a, of a creator, right? So if they're selling, you know, let's say, I don't know, $1,000 a month versus $10,000 a month versus $100,000 a month, um, there might be vertical, right? So if you're a musician or a filmmaker or a writer, and then there might be like the the frequency in which you use Gumroad, right? So you use it to sell like one-off things or you use it to like, you know, your the primary, like hundred percent of your livelihood actually flows through Gumroad. And if you can sort of, you know, if you if three by three, right, you have nine different sort of examples now. And if it works, if you, you know, when you put, when you sort of look at a new product feature through that lens of like, okay, a small musician, but all of their livelihood flows through Gumroad, like how are they going to look at this new product feature versus, you know, a filmmaker who's massive, but he sells this random short through Gumroad. And if it works for both of them really well, it probably means it's going to work for everybody pretty well. So that's, that's kind of the filter that we use. It's kind of like, you know, if we built specifically for a niche, it actually, I think would hurt us because we would build a a product that isn't actually as good. Any live user testing? When, when you have a feature done, are you involving some of the sellers that may be large and small to get their actual opinion? Um, we try. So it depends on the feature, you know, uh, definitely a priority for us is to move really quickly. And so we definitely have a bias towards like shipping things and then reacting really quickly to feedback in general. I would say we don't do like sort of active user testing, but that's only because I feel like we have a really good sense every single day of like what people are looking for because we are so close to our user base. It doesn't feel like I have to like, you know, for example, if I, if I had to be like, okay, this is what's most important to a filmmaker that we don't do today, I shouldn't have to go out and ask that. I like that should already, I should have already internalized that, you know, just by working at government and being in the office every single day, which I think I, you know, which I think everybody that I think at the company can, can kind of answer these questions. And then, you know, being really good about just like, yeah, the, the great thing about being able to move fast and shipping things really fast is also the fact that we can like change things that shipped and weren't received well really quickly um, as well. And so it doesn't happen that often, actually. Like, I, I think that's mainly because we are just so engaged that we kind of know. We, we rarely, and we're so resource constrained that we don't mess around too much. Like, if, if there's a 50% chance I, that, uh, you know, an idea is not going to be received well, we're, we'd rather work on something that we know is, right? An example of a time when um, a feature that you thought was going to do really well possibly didn't and the type of feedback you got? Yeah, so I think the, the, the most common occurrence of that is when something when we build something that is useful, but it's kind of only useful with it sort of with another feature, you know? So for example, I like two years ago, uh, we shipped a feature called variants, which allowed people to, uh, basically, uh, create variants per product. So you could say, Hey, you know, you're buying my book, but there's actually three different versions of my book. There's like the normal book, there's like this crazy bundle. And then there's like this advanced, you know, this like exclusive, whatever. Um, and basically allowed you to do tier pricing within a single product. You could charge the same amount. You could charge a different amount. You know, if you wanted to charge the same amount, an example might be like you can select if you're, you know, an EPUB or PDF consumer, and then you'll get that file only kind of thing just so you can save yourself time and complexity. 
or, you know, I speak English, I want the English version. I speak Spanish, I want the Spanish version. I'll pay five bucks for both. And then we realized, like, we built that feature, but we didn't build it with enough functionality outside of just the pricing that it wasn't actually that useful and it wasn't really able to be used for that. And so I think there's, you know, in a, in a culture where you are moving really quickly and, like, there's this, like, word that gets thrown around called MVP all the time, like, how can we, you know, how can we get this out the door as soon as possible? You kind of have to make sure that you know what MVP really means, right? MVP does not just mean, like, pushing code to production. Uh, it, it means, like, you're building a feature that is, is independent from everything else, right? And so if you, if you ship, if you think of something that, relies very heavily on another thing to be used like you could probably ship those two things together what approach do you guys take to that customer feedback because you are moving quickly so it sounds like when you ship you guys have an engaged community that's giving you feedback on the new features how do you prioritize their opinion what they want and and what you guys end up sticking with yeah i mean it's definitely it's really difficult right because there isn't there isn't like an exact formula it's really hard to say you know number of users times value per user minus development time times passion of develop you know like <laughs> right. i like i'm kind of maybe i'm glad it's not that easy otherwise we're, we would all just be robots and there would be no emotion involved but i think a lot of it is gut, you know, a lot of it is like if you spend a good chunk of your life just thinking all the time about how can we make creators' lives easier, you can kind of like grok what Gumroad should look like going forward, right? And I think the difficulty is that you cannot be totally reactive. You know, we get a lot of feedback from a lot of people and that's really awesome and it's really great that Gumroad helps people make their livings, but it also means that that feedback comes with a lot of weight, right? Because if you're making literally your income on Gumroad and you say, Hey, this feature would help me pay my rent or like move into this house faster or like help me pay my mortgage off in a reasonable, you know, like these, it's harder to say, sorry, no, we're not working on that because we're working on this other thing. Right. Right. And also you don't want to like, no, not share because it's like secret, but to share because like you don't want to like, it's irrelevant to them. Like they don't care that you're fixing a bug for this other user or, you know, that, you think that this feature, this other feature that has no use to them in, in what, whatever way is, is important. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes really challenging. Honestly, I'd like, there's really no good answer for that. I it's think kind it's of very a gut much. call. A lot of it is a gut call. A lot of it is like, we try to do simple math, like in general, probably work. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably like a, I guess they're called like a random bloom filter or something like that, or like a random trees or something where you basically like, there's no like sort of, answer like there's no there's a you basically have 10 questions and you have a bunch of these biases and like that will give you a yes no but there is no single yes no in that entire pipeline right so for example you might say like we're going to bias towards helping you know a feature that's going to help that's going to be used let's say by more creators versus less you might be biased towards a feature that's going to be used by high volume creators over less high volume creators you're going to be biased towards etc etc but at the end of the day there's still no yes, no answer. You just have these inputs, right? And it's yeah. kind of up to you to kind of weight them in, in whatever way. Definitely, you know, there's things that will trump the line, right? So, for example, if there's a bug that prevents someone from doing a function, like, we will probably treat that with extremely high priority. But it gets it gets harder, any you know, the minute it's not, it's not that, like a breaking bug or something. I wish I had a better answer for myself. <laughs> no, no, it's, I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. With such a focus on product, I'm guessing most of the people on the team are working on product. Um, yeah, over half, yeah. So how do you guys keep track of what everyone's working on and the priority of these different features and bugs that need to be released? 
Yeah, so we have a pretty good, I'd say, commitment to using internal tools as universal truths. So a universal truth meaning like basically like the ultimate, like the end all be all of what's important and what's happening at the company, right? You know, let's say you're a new employee and you start tomorrow, you can basically, well, tomorrow would be bad because it's going to be a Saturday, but let's say you start on Monday, you can now see what every single person in the company is working on. Right. Which inevitably should be what they think is a high priority because otherwise they probably wouldn't be working on it. And that's really cool. That's really powerful. And what it does is it not only like the, you know, like we talked about how this gut thing, right? Like you, I built up over working on government for like over three years, like this, this instinct, which is not really instinct. It's just like a bunch of data that I can't really point as pinpoint as data anymore because it's just like internalized. But if you're a new employee, like, you know, how do you join the company and then know what's important or not? And a great way to do that is to see what everyone else thinks is important or not. And then kind of gauge, bring your own input into that, your own insight and experience and sort of modify that and make everybody else smarter and then also inform yourself. And so that's really important. You know, the alternative being, if we didn't do that, like you would spend a month meeting every single person being like, Hey, what are you working on? Why are you working on it? And that's not ideal. And then we also have a, we use OKRs. It's uh, called, a, it stands for Objectives and Key Results. I don't know if you've had a similar sort of thing talked about on the podcast before, but it's basically the thing popularized by Google where it's, it's just, a, it's, it's a relatively well-defined system of, of setting quarterly goals and sort of executing on them. And there's a couple of nuances to why they work so well. And I think they've been really awesome for us. It's kind of scary because OKR seems like a fancy big company word. But it's been phenomenal, you know, and it's a really good way of getting a sense of like not only what's important to each and every individual, but what's important to us as a company, right? Because at the end of the day, like, you know, you want to know, like, great, I'm fixing the, this bug or I'm building this small feature, but like, how does that contribute to the overall vision of the company, right? Gumroad is going to look like this in five years, but it's not going to look like this in five years. And like, that's going to happen randomly. That's going to be an incremental improvement over every single day. Things are going to change. Right. And, and, and those things are going to get us to that point. And there needs to be some level of clarity there in like, okay, like to be there in five, we have to be here in three and to be there in three, we need to be here in a year and to be there in a year. This is kind of, you know, this is how my quarter looks like. And to be there this quarter, like I need to work on this right now. For someone that isn't familiar with with OKRs, can you kind of take us through just the high level? Um, who's setting that priority? How are you kind of reconciling that priority uh, with everyone who works there? Totally. So when we first started doing OKRs, which I think is roughly nine months or a year ago now, we already had our priorities in other ways, right? Like it wasn't like because before OKRs we weren't we were just working on random stuff. We like we had some sense of like these things are important. And so, you know, the first thing was to just to get those priorities written down and like in the system. And so the way OKRs work is you have these objectives. This can be per individual, it can be per team, it can be on the company level. And objectives, uh, OKRs stand for objectives and key results, right? So the objective is hey, we want to make Gumroad easier for filmmakers, for example. And that might be an individual thinking that, that might be a team thinking that, et cetera. And as the company grows, OKRs should scale, right? You can add levels of OKRs and scope them to whatever degree you want. And then the KRs, which is maybe a part of the unique aspect of, of OKRs, is, is like, ex- ex- how are you going to measure that, right? So it's great that like Gumroad is going to improve for filmmakers. I think everyone in the company would agree with that. Like, we should do that. But like, what does that mean, right? And it kind of causes you to think about it and, and actually say, okay, well, 
to me, that means like we need to build these two features, right? And so you have a key result that's like ship this feature, and then your second key result is ship this other feature. Um, you might have a you know another key result being like talk to you know thirty filmmakers about you know on the phone for thirty minutes about this, right? And it's things that you would do anyways, but it forces you to really think about them and be accountable to them. And you know, it, it forces me as as the CEO to be like, okay. I know every single person in the company's OKRs, right? And if they're working on something that I, I think is not in line with a company priority, it's my job to make sure that that happens, right? Because I have that, I have that clarity, right? I have that, there's that transparency there. And so it's not like before of like, you know, oh, like you spent a month working on this thing and I, I didn't realize you were doing that. No, it's my fault because I know basically exactly what everyone is working on or at least what everyone says they think is important. And then it's my job to validate that and then... Great, and then we're done, basically, right? And there's a, there's a couple of more nuances. Like, you want OKRs to be incredibly measurable, right? So you don't want it to be like, make them or better. It's like, make them or better by X and in this way, right? It forces you to really think about the objectivity there. We use a filter of, like, can someone else check into your OKRs for you, right? So I should be able to, I won't, but I should be able to check into someone's OKRs for them because they're, they're measurable, they're objective, and, and they're not vague, emotional, subjective at all. And then the other thing is they are super ambitious. They should be incredibly ambitious. It should not just be like, hey, my goal for this quarter is, you know, to, to, to build these five things and to fix 20 bucks or whatever. It should be like if this quarter, like if I just destroy this quarter, like we're going to be all the way over here and it's going to be freaking great. And even if you hit if you hit 100%, like you shouldn't even hit 100%, right? Like that's just the whole point of OKRs is kind of like, forward thinking, forward looking, ambitious. Like if you hit hundred percent, it probably means your OKRs weren't ambitious enough or you worked to the, to the point of like your, your fingers were bleeding and like that's not sustainable whatsoever. And so it's a really, it's a really cool system. It works really well for us. Um, there's a couple of other, you know, sort of details like the fact that every single individual OKR fits under a company OKR. So there's literally like a way to look at that sort of that tree structure of like, okay, the company wants to do X and like, you know, these three engineers are going to contribute to X. Like our comms person is going to contribute in this way. Uh, our growth person is going to contribute in this way, et cetera. And it gives everyone this really cool feeling of like, we're, we're in this together, right? We're all building towards this common goal. And, you know, I think it's kind of like, I don't know, like an army or something, right? Like if, if, if everyone knows, like we need to go do this, but if, if people don't know exactly, and everyone's excited about it, but like, you know, if, it's a lot more smooth and, and, and frictionless if, Everyone is kind of doing it together and feels like, you know, they're all headed in the same direction. And it's just more fun, right? It just, you know, it's just cooler to be like, oh, wow. Like, I, I, I realize that the, the, bigger, the bigger impact of, of what I'm building today. Can you give an example of what a company, what an a, appropriate company goal would be that people would be working towards? Yeah. So, for example, a company goal, goal might be to grow our volume, right? To grow the volume that we're processing on a daily basis, we might have a company goal that's like make Gumroad really awesome. So this is a this is an actual one. So from last quarter, I believe we had a company one being like make Gumroad a much better experience for people that are like making over two hundred thousand dollars a year on Gumroad, right? So we had this I wouldn't say problem, but we had this like not perfect situation where Gumroad is phenomenal getting started, but you hit a point where like Gumroad kind of the UI doesn't really work as well for you. Like these things that were super kind of like what we talked about in the beginning, right? Like this, this sort of dimensions, like 
if you have like a da- our dashboard is phenomenal if you have less than 10 products, but then like the minute you had, I don't know, 50 products or a hundred products, or like some people have literally thousands of products, the sort of singular list dashboard doesn't really work as well for you. And so we basically had an OKR around like, how do we, uh, you know, fix that problem? How do we make them much better for, for that type of that scale of, of creator? Cause we don't want people to like, it's kind of weird, right? Like the, the better you do, like, the worse the product gets for you. And that's not great. So we had a few features under there. We had a few other things like that, that all kind of scoped under. So now, for example, if you have anywhere over 10 products, there's like a little search bar and you can just like type into this thing and all, you know, basically autocomplete with the products that match that query. Right. Um, And so like if you're, you know, if you're, for example, a bookstore and you have 3000 titles, you can search by the author name and like all of a sudden, boom, like you just have the four books that you care about. And so simple things like that, right? But like it, it painted under the picture of like this theme, it just it seems a lot easier to digest. And then on the other side, it's really cool because then if you're like a creator, like all of a sudden, like within like a quarter, like three months, like 30 features or, a thir- you know, a few things got built for you versus like randomly sporadically, like your, your experience got better. It really feels like the company cares about you in that way. And we can, you know, and there's other benefits too, right? Like on a from a marketing and messaging perspective, we can kind of group those things together and be like, Hey, government is so much better for you now. And it's a lot easier to say that versus like every random amount of timing. Hey, we pushed a small little thing for you here and we fixed this thing over here for you there. And this thing is a little better for you now. So yeah, in general, it, 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 it's like almost like less context switching for everybody, less context switching for the company, for individuals in the company uh, and for our end users, our creators. Yeah, that's very cool. We hadn't heard that deep of a dive into OKRs and it's, um, it's something that could be really pow- uh, powerful for people. So where can we keep up with you and Gumroad online? Yeah, so we, you know, you can keep up with us depending on your preference. Twitter is probably, I don't, yeah, Twitter is probably the best place. Like, so at Gumroad, uh, my handle personally is at SHL. You know, we also exist on all the various other types of social media platforms like Facebook and things. And if you sell a book, go to gumroad.com. Yeah, yeah. We did. We, that's where we sold ours from. So Awesome. And then yeah. you know, we have a blog, which we, we try to keep updated. Not with, not with just with like, Gumroad is really awesome and we launched this new feature, but like also in general, like how do you, as a creator, regardless if you use Gumroad or not, do, do it better, right? And, 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 and have, a, have a better life, basically. Um, and we have multiple people like, that, we, you know, that are full-time at Gumroad that are, that are focused around, like, around making creators more successful. So there's, there's our blog that we have a newsletter that's, that's sort of slightly different, but like similar content that you should also subscribe to. Um, it's at the bottom of any blog post. We have a resource center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of stuff. Nice. If, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get all of that. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll get all of that. Plus just really bad puns. <laughs> <laughs> so not recommended. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks. See you. Looking for more entrepreneurial advice? Check out this week's Hack the Entrepreneur with Jordan Harbinger, where they discuss core values and trying things that didn't work. Here's a clip. Right. So it's like these entrepreneurs are going out and they buy this really beautiful plant from the nursery, the the garden store or whatever. I I, yeah. go, I shop for plants. <laughs> um, they go out and they buy the really nice plant and they're like, cool, this is my business. And they prune it and they put it in a vase and it's a really nice vase that they sculpted by hand and they put it in the window for sunlight and then they go on vacation and they don't water it for three weeks and they come home and it's dead and they're like, what the hell? 
That's how most entrepreneurs are networking. They do everything right, except then they just don't water it and nurture it. They don't follow up, and that's the end of it. And they wonder what happened when everything dried up and died. Go to hacktheentrepreneur.com or search Hack the Entrepreneur in iTunes to listen to this episode and so many more fantastic interviews that John has done. He's created a fantastic resource over there. So check it out today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Moon Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocket Ship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. Oh, 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 oh,